Good evening again and Merry Christmas. I hope that all of you and your families have a really lovely and, and sweet Christmas season. When, when I was in college, my first year of college, especially away from home, I spent a lot of time um, lifting weights and I dreamed that I would go home and people would say, man, he's been working out, right? There was this one time where I came home and I was wearing a sleeveless shirt around an uncle and I did something that required me to like lift my arm up a little bit and he like said, hi, you've been lifting weights and it like made my year, basically. (laughs) So I find that a lot of us spend all our lives trying to become strong in some way, whether it's physically strong, especially when you're younger, intellectually strong as you get a little bit older, financially strong as you get older and older. We spend a lot of our lives as human beings trying to become strong because feeling weak feels so vulnerable. It's a terrible feeling to feel weak. And what I want to reflect on with you for just a few minutes in the story, the gospel story tonight is that this is exactly what your Creator calls you to become, is weak. This is how He enters the world, and this is what He calls you to be, to be His child, and to be a true human being, is to become weak. So uh, in our children's ministry, the children learn this beautiful song. The kingdom of God, what is it like? It's like a seed. It's like a seed. And this seed of the kingdom, what is it like? It's the smallest seed that exists, but it becomes a magnificent tree. See, God chooses to use the smallest of things to accomplish His purposes. That's really difficult to hold in the midst of the noise and the boasts of the world around us. Now, the Christmas story in Luke that Travis just read for us, it opens with very big things. A worldwide decree. An order that goes out from Caesar Augustus. Just say his name. It's a big name. Caesar's original name was Octavian, but that was not big enough. So the Roman government gave him the name Augustus, which meant majestic and holy. And they did this because Octavian said he was the Son of God and that he was the Savior and Lord of the world. A man really said that. Augustus gives this worldwide decree that the whole world should be registered, numbered, so that he could collect their taxes. Augustus is big and powerful. He's the richest man in the world. He built buildings and named them after himself. And he said near the end of his life that he had found Rome built in brick, but he left it in marble. Big. Powerful. But God, the God that Christians worship, chooses the smallest of ways and the smallest of people to accomplish his purposes. I want you to listen for a minute to all the small things in the story. The small places and the small people. 
Joseph and Mary are very small people. They're not powerful like Caesar, Caesar Augustus. He doesn't even know them. And Joseph and Mary have no choice but to listen to a man who is thousands of miles away, who tells them to leave their home while she is many months pregnant and travel 100 miles just so that he can number them and charge them taxes. They have no choice. They're small people. They're from a small place. Israel is barely a, a dot. It's a small country. And within Israel, they're from a small town called Nazareth. And they travel to another small town called Bethlehem. And on top of this, Mary is small because she's so young, she's unmarried, but she's pregnant. Because God said that she would bear His Son. And while in the small town of, town of Bethlehem, she gives birth to a baby. Now, it's really difficult to know exactly what the arrangements were where Joseph and Mary stayed, but it's obvious this wasn't a palace, not like the place that Caesar Augustus would have lived. Now, Middle Eastern hospitality would have meant that they would not have gone without, but they're also not in a five-star hotel. So they're staying near the animals, and Mary lays her son not in a new bassinet that was recently delivered by Amazon, but she lays him in a feeding trough. This, by the way, is forecasting something. Bethlehem being the house of bread, the one who would become the bread of life, who would give himself for the life of the world, is laid in a place where animals eat. Now, near where Jesus is born, there are other small people, very small people, shepherds. They're watching their flocks. I like to think of shepherds as first century rednecks. <laughs> they did not have much money, and they spent a lot of time alone, so people didn't like to hang out with shepherds. They weren't the people that you invite to your Christmas parties. They wouldn't even let shepherds testify in court. They were not deemed as trustworthy. So, all these small people, small places, and even though they're far from the worldly centers of power, in these small people and in these small places, God is claiming that He is carrying out the salvation of the world. Why would people make this up? Why would they make this up? So in the small place of Bethlehem, he's bringing his king and he is fulfilling an ancient promise. As for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, seemingly insignificant among the clans of Judah, from you a king will emerge who will rule over Israel on my behalf. Now, God had the option that he could have associated his son, the new king, with the military might of David when he was in Jerusalem. He could have said, I'm just going to start my son off with the power of the king from Jerusalem. But he didn't. God chose the humble beginnings of Bethlehem for the birthplace of his son. Also, the young and unmarried Mary is becoming the mother of the Son of God. Uh, she is who, the one whom the church has called the God-bearer. This meek woman, small, bears God in her womb. 
The shepherds, as small and as poor as they are, are appointed as royal ambassadors to the heavenly king. The shepherds announce the arrival of the good shepherd, the true shepherd of the world. God is choosing the smallest of ways and the smallest of people to accomplish his purposes. The Apostle Paul, he later describes the incarnation in this way. God becoming flesh. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you by His poverty might become rich. That is a summary of what we see in this story. The infant Christ comes in the smallest and most humble of ways to raise up the smallest of humanity into His dignity and into His glory. Why does God begin here and in this way? In the midst of all the great needs of the world that we know about, why would God start so small? Surely if any of us were planning this out, we would not have written the story in this way. I'm sure there are many answers, but one of them, I believe, is that we only will come to God if we know our own poverty and our own smallness. You see, power and wealth, even though they're part of life and unavoidable in some cases, they can be very deceptive for us. They may whisper to us that we're strong when we're actually very weak and spiritually impoverished. I want to ask you tonight, if you are a person who feels small and weak sometimes, are you a person who feels small and weak sometimes? And if you are, I want to say to you that that is good in the eyes of God. And that smallness and weakness, your work is not to try to become strong, but it's to take that smallness and weakness to the one who became weak so that you could become truly strong. Because all the strength that we try to put on as human beings is just like the strength that Caesar Augustus proclaimed. It will die. It is fake. It is a facade. And the only real strength is the one that comes from the one who became weak. Who had the ability to descend from heaven to earth so that He could ascend and bring all of us with Him. That is the only real strength there is. So if you're a person who feels small and weak sometimes, good. Don't just stay there by yourself. Take that smallness and weakness to the one who loves you and became weak for you. And if you're a person who doesn't feel small and weak, well, you should. (laughs) You should feel small and weak sometimes. And if you do not, perhaps what you need to do is to act in such a way, to move out of your comfort zone in such a way that you begin to feel very vulnerable. And that the only way you can survive is if you have help. Because that's who you truly are spiritually. You are poor, and you are weak. We're all very small. We're all very poor. 
But if we're willing to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who became flesh for us, the one who descended to the, to the bottom, he was wrapped in these cloths and lying in a manger. He was poorer even than the shepherds who came to visit him. You see, he went to the bottom of humanity so that he could catch all of us and bring all of us with him. So are you in a place where you are constantly trying to become strong? Are you in a place where you're allowing your weaknesses to be what they are and entrusting them to the one who cares for you and it became a human being to give himself for you? That's what the Christmas story is about. And the Lord Jesus is inviting all of us to come to him now, in this story, in whatever place in life we are in, whether we're already a Christian or whether we are far from Him, we're invited to come closer and to submit all our weakness to Him. Amen.